Refrigerant leaks in the HVAC and refrigeration trade can be a huge pain in the ass. Sometimes they're really frustrating to find. Sometimes they're difficult to fix, depending on where you find them. Like in the middle of a 30 or 40 ton condenser. That's not fun. But it's part of what we do. We can't complain about it because it makes us money. It provides us work. And that's how we provide for ourselves and our families. The customers can complain about refrigerant leaks because they got to pay out of pocket to fix it. But we can't because it provides us continuous work through the year for the most part for a lot of us. And some of us tackle refrigerant leaks on a weekly basis. So that's what this podcast is going to touch on is refrigerant leaks. I have a couple of stories for you. And I'm going to touch on internal leak sealants. I've used internal leak sealants. Let's see. And I can count them on, on one hand the amount of time I've used them in 20 years. One, two, three. Three times. And I'll go into my experience with them and what happened with the outcome on each time I used it. This is the HVAC Know-It-All podcast, and I'm your host, Gary McCready. HVAC Know-It-All is sponsored by Testo, Yellow Jacket, Refrigeration Technologies, and True Tech Tools. Guys, make sure if you purchase from True Tech Tools to use promo code KNOWITALL at checkout to save 8% on all of your purchases. The HVAC Know-It-All podcast is sponsored by Field Pulse. Get rid of your paper, guys. Go paperless. Check out fieldpulse.com forward slash HVAC know-it-all for your 14-day free trial. It was about three years ago, I would say, and I responded to a call at a building that I take care of on a regular basis, and in the building was a small server room, and they had a unit called a data air. Some of you may be familiar with data airs. So after some investigation, I found that there was a liquid line restriction and it was deemed that the TX valve was defective. So it was changed. All right. And I believe I had someone there helping me. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. And so af after we changed the TX valve, we, um, we did the usual pressure test, vacuum, blah, blah, blah. Right. So we charged it up. And we charged it with the gas that we removed from the system. We put it back in and we realized once the tank was empty that, hey, we're still, uh, we're still short of gas here. We were feeding into the evaporator now, but we didn't have enough gas in that system. So we added some. A few pounds, I think. Three, four five max i think and the system held about 20 so i mean we were down a fair bit so now we had to leak check so i believe it was the next day or the day after that i went back i used a, an electronic leak detector i'm not going to name the one that i used and i leak checked the machine i did not find one leak on that system with the electronic leak detector not one so my thought was, like sometimes we all think, maybe it was one of the Schraders. Maybe it wasn't seating properly. 
So change the Schraders with the core removal tool and then add Nylog to the fit to the to the service cap and tighten it on. Now that Nylog will help prevent any leakage if that Schrader underneath starts to leak again. So that was it. Thought the job was done. A year later, same service called no cooling in the same room. This time the compressor was defective. It wasn't pumping. So change the compressor. Reuse the gas again because the gas was still good. All right. Put it into the system. Found out we're low charge again. So obviously there was still a leak in that system. And at the time, I had just got Testos 316-3 electronic leak detector. Now, it's got a heated diode sensor inside of it. So, I started to leak check, and I always tend to start at evaporators when I leak check, because evaporators are prone. They're notorious for leaking. Formicary corrosion, if you guys don't know, is, um, is corrosion that eats away at the wall of the copper. And it almost becomes porous where the gas will leak through the pores of the copper. Now, it's also called ant nest corrosion. If you look at a picture, if you Google formicary corrosion and you look at a picture of it and that they take that copper wall and blow it up so you can see it. And it looks like little ants have made little tunnels all in the copper. So that's why it's called ant nest corrosion. But those little tunnels go from the surface, the outer surface, to the inner surface of that wall. And that's how it leaks. And that's why it's very slow, because um, these little ant tunnels, for lack of a better term, are minuscule. And it takes a long time for the gas to leak through this. So I started leak checking at the evaporator with my 316-3. And I actually have a YouTube video. It's about 30 seconds long. It's not very long. It's, it's like a minute at, at the most. Um, and it's just me hovering over the evaporator and finding a couple of different leaks on it. And I never found those leaks with the other leak detector the year previous. But this leak detector picked them up instantly. Now, I can't say enough about that leak detector because I all there's another video I made recently on another evaporator and what I did was I took my little um, pocket screwdriver and I just bent the fins over a little bit and I hovered across the tube got to that part where I separated the fins the leak detector went nuts moved it away it calmed down moved it back it went nuts so the 316-3 pinpoints leaks Pretty, pretty good. Now, a lot of guys say, oh, I, I don't need a leak detector. I've seen this discussion online many, many times. All I need is soap and nitrogen. Well, that leak there, that wasn't not going to be revealed by soap. I'll tell you that right now. That's how small it was. Soap and nitrogen is a good way to find leaks, yes. But when you have 
formicary corrosion and an evaporator. The only time I've ever seen it show its ugly head is with dye. I've used dye several times on systems that we couldn't find leaks on. I haven't used it in a long time because if you have a good electronic leak detector, you don't really need to use the dye, I find. But in the past, I remember about 15, 16 years ago, using dye on a Liebert unit, throwing it in because the thing just kept leaking and leaking and leaking. Nobody could find a leak. So I put dye in it, went back a week later, shined the black light up at the evaporator. The, thi the, whole, thing, the whole thing was glowing. Now, I exaggerate a bit, but there must have been at least 10, 15 leaks in that thing. Little tiny spots of glowing dye all over the evaporator. Now, that's where dye comes in handy. I know it makes a mess. It gets all in your gauges and stuff like that. But sometimes it does come in handy, like those situations. Like I said, I haven't used it in a while, though, because with this leak detector, I've been finding leaks very well. All right. Now, for the guys that say soap and nitrogen, yes, that will work. And I posted a picture on Instagram. And I believe Facebook as well, where I came across a compressor on a system. It was a York rooftop unit. Um, it didn't appear like it was running short of gas, but there was an oil stain down the compressor on the at the discharge line. I didn't know if the leak was from the braze on the discharge line at the stub or if it was from the stub that was welded onto the compressor body. So I soaped it down with... Um, Viper Big Blue, Refrigeration Technologies Big Blue, which is a fabulous leak detector for microbubbles. So I soaped it down and within, I had to wait about five to 10 minutes because you got to let that soap get in there for these micro leaks. And it started to bubble away, started to foam and you could barely see it. And I took a picture of it and I used my photo editor to draw an arrow up to it. So the soap worked for me there. And Big Blue is probably the best soap on the market for microbubbles, in my opinion. You guys check it out. Um, if you scroll through my Instagram uh, profile, you could probably go back a couple of weeks and find it there. But soap and nitrogen doesn't always do the job, especially if it's a tiny, tiny leak. So the way I like to leak check is I, I like to use my electronic leak detector, all right, go through the system, find spots that may be, that may be um, suspect to leak, and then I soap it. Okay, I don't agree with just taking a soap, bottle of soap up to the unit and soaping the hell out of everything. I mean, you just make a mess. Why, why would you want to do that? Grab yourself a solid electronic leak detector, go through it, and when you find spots that are suspect, then soap it. Then you have less of a mess to clean up, right? It's less work for you. It's less aggravation for you. But anyway, going back to the, like I digress because I'm telling stories here, but going back to this unit that was leaking for a couple of years, we found the leaks. I reported it to the customer. Um, 
they didn't want to fix it because the unit was going to be decommissioned because that room, that server room was going to be decommissioned. So that unit no longer runs. It just sits. It doesn't do anything. So they didn't want to fix it. They didn't want to spend the money. But I found the leak. And if they were going to keep that room up and running, we would have changed that evaporator coil and we would have been done with it. It would have been finished. So you need a solid electronic leak detector to find small leaks, especially formicary corrosion and evaporators. Guys, if you're looking for the next way to grow your HVAC business, with Field Pulse HVAC software, you can manage your business in one app. It's that simple. From CRM to estimates, invoicing, team scheduling, and timesheets. The list goes on. You can manage your work more efficient, straight up. Sign up for a free trial, guys, at fieldpulse.com forward slash HVAC Know It All, or head to my website, HVACKNowItAll.com, and click on the sponsored logo for your 14-day free trial. So speaking on internal leak sealants, anytime there's a discussion online about internal leak sealants, it's always a heated debate. Always, always, always. One side of the, the, the debate is fix it properly, right? The other side of the debate is put it in. If it works, you save your customer money. But see, there's a problem here. I don't think we know enough about this stuff as an industry to say that it's not going to cause any potential damage to a system. I don't know enough. Maybe there is studies done that I don't know about, but I don't, I don't know. I know there, there's a couple of different kinds. I know that. All right. I know there's a polymer based, which hardens up when it comes into contact with moisture or air at the leak location. So as that moisture, or sorry, as that refrigerant that contains this internal leak sealant, as it's pushing out through that leak, now the moisture and the, the air is not getting into the system, right? Because the piping is pressurized. But as it starts leaving the system, that's when it comes into contact with moisture and air. And that's where it hardens. That, that is the theory behind that stuff, as far as I'm concerned, from what I've read okay, in, in different manufacturers' literature of how, how that stuff works. Now, the other stuff is an oil-based. Now, there's a few manufacturers of oil-based internal uh, refrigerant sealers, but leak sealers. But from what I understand, they don't work the same as the polymer. They don't harden up. They pass over the leak a bunch of times and it develops a skin over top. That's how I understand that it works. But I still don't think we know enough going forward about this stuff. The polymer stuff, if you think about it, if it hardens when it hits moisture, what happens if you get that stuff in your gauges? What happens 
if it goes into your expensive digital gauges and it starts restricting them and blocking them up. I mean, I've heard stories that they put this stuff into satellites going up into space. NASA does, but that's all fine and dandy. Those satellite, those satellites ain't coming back for repair. What you got to worry about is when you open the system up for repair. If it hardens, if you put it in as a way to fix a leak on a newer system and somebody goes back to change a compressor or, or whatever, when you open that system up, you're going to have all kinds of air and moisture inside that system. What's going to happen to that stuff? What's going to happen? Is it going to harden where it's sitting? Is it going to clog up a TX valve, a cap tube? Is it going to get all inside your compressor afterwards and gum it up? I don't think that we know enough about it to say, yes, this is a viable option to fix leaks. I guess, yes, it would be cheaper to buy a can of it and throw it in. And if it worked, then hey, it worked. Fixing a leak properly takes time because you got to find it. You got to do the work to fix it. You pull the vacuum, you got to pressure test again. So that all takes time. It's more expensive. So if I, if I ever used it, it would be on something that I, I felt was on its last legs and was going to be replaced very, 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 very soon. I'll tell you about one time I used it. The very first time I used it, I'd never heard of it before, but my boss handed it to me. And it's funny because I just told the story about the, uh, the Liebert that was leaking. And there was a bunch of uh, glowing spots of dye all in the evaporator coil. Well, that was the unit he told me to put it in. I put it in that machine and I wish I knew what happened to it. And I'm telling you the story. I'm probably getting y'all excited, but I put it in and I never went back. Nobody ever did because I believe that the contract was changing hands at the time or there were something happened where the room wasn't going to be operating or, or we lost that. I don't know. I don't remember, but I never got a chance to go back, but I was told to put it in and I did. All right. I tried, I tried it again a couple of years later. I had a leak on a, um, this was a condensing unit for an old home, um, downtown location, massive, massive, um, historic home that they used for an office. And this thing leaked a couple of times during the summer. So I was, I'm like, okay, well, I, I'm an apprentice at this time. And I didn't really know an apprentice or a young mechanic. And I wanted to try it for myself. I put it in. Um, a couple of weeks later, the compressor was seized. Now, I don't know if the compressor seized because of the stuff that I put in. Or if it was on its way to seize up already. I have no idea. But it made me weary of it. Like, I don't want to use this stuff anymore. It made me think, right? And, and that's what you got to do before you use a product. You got to think. You got to do your background check. You got to read reports, any information you can get your hands on. Now, if you're going to experiment with it, like I said, I think you need to experiment with a unit's on its last legs. 
let's say it's the middle of the summer. Let's say there's a 30-year-old system still in use and the customer wants to replace it. Let's say you have a can of this stuff in your truck and you say, I can put this in. I can't guarantee it. It may get you by. It may not. I can throw it in. It'll cost you two, 300 bucks. And then at the end of the summer, we can replace your system. The customer might say, okay, go ahead. All right. You might put it in then. And then see what happens. See what it does. When you go back and replace that system, talk to your boss. Or if you are the boss, tell your guys, cut the system open. Let it sit out in the air. Now, cut the compressor open. Cut the TX open. See if that stuff got into anything. Do, do some homework. So you know for the next time. Now, I have used an oil-based product, okay, and I used it recently. There's um, a refrigeration condensing unit that I take care of that has leaked. I was looking through the tags, actually, um, this past winter. It was short of gas again. It's been leak checked. We changed the evaporator a couple of years ago because the, the evaporator, actually, we put dye in this evaporator too. The evaporator was filled with leaks. And before that, nobody could find it until I put dye in it. So we changed the evaporator and I thought we're good. We're good to go. The next year, it was leaking again slightly. Now, some of this piping runs through... Um, some concrete. We can't get to it. So I've always thought the piping is the problem because that's the only spot we can't get to to leak check. After we changed the evaporator, I thought it was good. But the next year after I come back and it's, it's slightly low on charge again, I'm like, it's got to be the piping and the concrete we can't get to. So I talked to the, uh, I talked to the facilities people and I said, listen, I have this newer product. It's an oil-based um, internal refrigerant leak sealer. I said, I want to experiment with it. I want to use it to see what kind of results we can get from it. Um, the unit's like 16 or 17 years old, and it's not new by any means. It's not under warranty. And the facilities uh, person was like, sure, try it. Let's see what happens. He goes, if it doesn't work, we can look at replacing the system soon anyway. So I'm like, perfect. This is a perfect spot to try this. So I put it in. That was about six months ago. And every time I go back, I check it. And so far, it hasn't lost any charge. Knock on wood. So I'm going to wait the full year. Because it always seems to take about a year. So after the full year is done... I'll report back in some way or some form and let you guys know if it actually worked. It doesn't seem like it's caused any performance issues with the machine just yet. The machine hasn't been opened up either. It hasn't been opened up. But from what I understand, and I've seen videos online too of this oil-based stuff sitting out in the air in the water, and it doesn't harden right next to a sample of the polymer-based stuff that does harden. So this is an experiment I wanted to try. And I think that when new products come on the market, 
I don't think it's it's right to dismiss them right away until they're given a chance. I'm giving this one a chance, and we'll see what happens. Once I know what happens, I'll report back. If it's a success, then hey, maybe I'll try it in the future going down the line more and more and more until I get more comfortable with it. We'll have to see. But I've never been a fan of it just because I don't know what happens to the system or, or to your tools when it gets in there for a prolonged amount of time. I don't know. So that's my experiences with internal leak sealant. It's not a lot, but a couple cases. One seems to be successful so far. One seized up a compressor. And one, I don't know what happened. So we'll take it from there. So in the spirit of leak checking, I just wanted to tell you a quick little story for shits and giggles to end the podcast off. Last year, towards the end of the summer, my neighbor came by and wanted me to look at his AC unit because it wasn't working, obviously. So I had a look at it and I found it to be short of gas. So I opened up the evaporator section, stuck my 316-3 in, and it started going nuts. Then I soaped it all down, trying to find where the leak was. And then I made the video after of it covered in soap and me putting my leak detector in. Now everybody online was like, whoa, you can't do that. The soap's going to set off your leak detector. You got to do it the other way. Well, I should have made the video before I soaped it, but I didn't. So I, I apologize for that, obviously. Um, but it got me thinking. Will the soap actually set off the leak detector? I'm not going to take someone else's word for it. So I'm going to do an experiment myself. So the very next day I was working. This was a Sunday. This is the Saturday he came over. The Sunday I was working. And I was done a little bit early. And I was parked against the loading dock. So I took some mystery bubbles. Green. Green soap bubbles off the shelf at a supplier. And I took my big blue. I made two puddles. Two separate puddles. I hovered the 316-3 over each one. The detector didn't go off. Okay, but then I put the two bottles side by side. Stuck the detector into the green bottle. The detector went off. It went nuts. Stuck the detector into the big blue bottle. Nothing happened. And then I did it again, just to verify. Back into the green, and then back into the blue. Big blue did not set off the leak detector. So it's kind of cool that it doesn't. You guys can try that yourself if you don't believe me. Um, I don't think I posted the video on YouTube, but I think I'm going to have to now, now that I've said it, so I can show you proof. So look for that video on YouTube, on my YouTube channel, HVAC Know-It-All. I'll probably have it up there sometime. Uh, in the next little bit. But anyway, you guys have an awesome day. Happy leak checking. Happy HVACing.